Today, we will assert fairness in an unfair world. We will celebrate fortune over ability. And each and every one of us is going to wish that we didn't kill our best friend's mom. And tune in to see our sorry faces. The Jessica Jones After Show starts now. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Welcome to the Jessica Jones After Show, Season 3, Episodes 5 and 6, and yes, only Episodes 5 and 6. But stay tuned, immediately after this show, for those watching live, we'll be doing Episodes 7 and 8. So the goal here is to make sure I don't slip up and talk about Episodes 7 and 8. Hi, I'm Christian Black, joined as always by April Dawn. Hey, yeah, it's definitely going to be hard not to talk about the other seasons, you got to keep me in check. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, that's why we all have our, our detailed notes. Mm-hmm. And at the far side of the desk, miles away from me... I'm Gurley, say hello. Far side, like an Eric Larson cartoon, I am here. Gary Larson. Gary Larson. Eric Larson's a Spider-Man artist. That's but right. But we'll accept it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. He's the guy that was like, sort of like, uh, well, he's Savage Dragon, right? Yeah. Right. That's his big thing. Exactly. But at the time, it was like, oh, who's this Todd McFarlane wannabe? It's exactly who he was in, in my life. It was like, oh, the guy who just suddenly draws Now we draw the webs like that? Right. Yeah, That's it's just the way we do it draws now. the Kind of, they still do it like that. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's, it's, it's what looks cool. But... <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about instead of uh, Spidey's webs, which, by the way, easily I could fill this whole yes. show talking yeah. about Spidey's webs. We are going to talk about Gary Larson mostly, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the far side after show. <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about episode five, which is called I Wish, the title coming from a very touching exchange between Jessica and Trish at the end of the episode. Uh, and I actually want to start there because it is the title of the episode, and it sort of felt like... The, well, up in you know, four plus episodes was really building up to this moment between Jessica and Trish. You know, she, uh, Jessica sort of begrudgingly was working with Trish, and then Trish just sort of finally says, "You know, I I wish I didn't kill your mom." Mm-hmm. And then Jessica has a great response: "I I wish that my mom weren't a mass murderer." So, uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about sort of the. I I, I, I I almost cringe at using this word, but it, it's kind of the only appropriate... The journey for Jessica and Trish throughout the the first five episodes of the show. Uh, April. Uh, yeah, I think that they have been having a lot of issues, but I think that was a tender moment for them, that she's just kind of caving, like, all right, we have to forgive each other so we can start working together. And it's about time, because I love seeing them team up together. Yeah, how do you feel about uh, their dynamic, you know, through these first five episodes? I mean, episode five is really the first time that they're actually teaming up and working together. Yeah, this is what we've been building to this whole time, right? Since, the you know, uh, Trish has been overeager to be a superhero yeah. and Jess mm-hmm. has been, like, shooting her down at every turn and they've kind of, like, forced them forced into working together and now they have to hash out the personal things that were really keeping them apart. Remember, they're sisters. This is a family dynamic and you... At least in my family, you always have to love your siblings, even if you don't always like them. Correct. And and that's what they go through. And yeah, that yeah, her mother was a mass murderer, needed to be put down, and 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 they both acknowledge what they could have done wrong. Where they were mm-hmm. both being stubborn, you don't want to back down. And now that they kind of broke down that wall, they really start to move forward. And that's when this really starts to get fun. And to the uh, the team up aspect of it, like you were saying, it's sort of like. 
I mean, I don't even see it as like a, a Batman Robin dynamic. It's more like Scooby Doo and Scrappy Doo, you know. And because here comes, here comes Trish. She's like, "Come on, let's do this." Hey, why don't we dangle him off the building? <laughs> mm-hmm. And Jessica has to be the voice of reason, which is you know really uncharacteristic mm-hmm. for her, but kind of shows the growth of of her character in these three seasons. It's like you can't just dangle people off of buildings whenever you want to. Uh, what do you think uh, about Jessica and sort of this? This almost like Jedi Master role that she has, April. Yeah, I love the part where she talks about doing it the right way, which she pretty much has never done before. And she says, I don't even know what that means, which is so true for her. Right. But <laughs> Trish is so cute how eager she is. She's always like, we're going to get this guy. And like, <laughs> let's team up. She's so eager when uh, Jess was like, you need to be more pessimistic. <laughs> well, I, I thought, yeah, that was the, the point I was going to make, Adam. I mean, Jessica's like, you got to stop saying stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're not going to necessarily get them. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, you can do everything you can and you hope that you get them but it's like it, it doesn't work that way you know it's a this isn't a, a power of positive thinking sort of endeavor you know uh, being a superhero yeah Jessica has been hurt so many times and hurt so many people her walls are tall and mighty and I think she's partially afraid at this point of Trisha's positivity rubbing off on her, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is something that she she believes that her hard edge is the only strength she has, not necessarily just her superpowers. Um, and so she just feels that Trish is incredibly naive and green, and, and she just knows how ugly and gray the world is. And this show is filled with gray characters. Moral, ambi- moral ambiguity defines it. You know, the Hogarth character, Malcolm, it's all about the gray. Even the color palette of the show is quite gray. And here's Trish acting like she's going on a field trip. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, I've been on a stakeout before. Right. I know that's not this episode, but she's like, oh yeah, I know. I've got, I've got. You know. And then, uh, well, I guess in our next episode, we'll talk about their uh, their little uh, road trip. Uh, so, uh, also, in their working together, they start to see how they can try to build this case against Salinger, because they, they find themselves, you know, at, at a point prior to this and the reason why Jessica needs her secret weapon in the way of Trish is that she realizes she's not going to be able to do it alone. So the two of them kind of just watching the building together, you know, watching the multiple entrances, uh, Trish sees that he has the the super creepy photo album, which uh, I was glad they showed to us because I think if you don't see it, uh, it's not as effective that it's these these extreme close-ups of faces. And I don't know about you, April, but to me, that is more... Horrifying than it being, you know, sort of like a, I don't know, a corpse hanging upside down that he's like gutted or whatever. It's like he wants to capture that moment, mm-hmm. uh, that facial expression. Uh, what did you think about the the realization of the photos or the revelation of the photos? They are super unsettling, but I was like, oh, he does have an eye for detail. <laughs> it's true. He's like the Ansel Adams of uh, mass murder yeah. ser- serial killers. So yeah, it's true. He's uh, he, he does have a good eye. Mm-hmm. If, if, if Annie Leibovitz was a psychopath, uh, what do you think as we get to know more, Adam, about uh, Salinger? You know, we're starting to kind of get to see what it is that he is looking for in these victims. More of a bit of a Kevin Spacey in Seven vibe, which is something I kind of felt before. This Mm -hmm. guy who, you know, and this is what's cool, like Fool Killer, not a book I read, stupidest name ever, dumbest costume if you look it up. But greatest hat. 
Definitely really great, great hat. Like awesome Pirates hat. of the Caribbean style. Totally great hat. <laughs> but if you strip down what makes him do what he does, the fools that he judges, it's yeah. very much that, that Kevin Spacey thing. He's, he feels a superiority, and he finds that people are, that are, are fake or, um, you know, dishonest, he feels his own moral, um, you know, strict... Uh, line and he, you know, he's described, he's defined himself as being, you know, superior in every way. So I really like a real well motivated uh, sociopath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he has this uh, the this sense of, of grandeur. I mean, when he says to Eric, aka Burger Boy, mm-hmm. uh, Eric reveals that what he said to him is, "You can't comprehend what I am." Mm-hmm. You know, so this is sort of like, you know, like you're. To just take from another serial killer, the whichever version you've read or seen of Red Dragon, the first Hannibal yeah. Lecter story, yeah. that character is becoming something else, and that's kind of I think how Salinger sees this. Is like I'm so far beyond all of you, and he says that to Jessica in one of yes. the earliest episodes, and it's like you know he's he's got all of his You're diplomas, an yeah. and yeah, and he's got these degrees, and he's just yeah, he's he's like evolved, but he's done it the right way. He didn't. He wasn't born with powers. He didn't yeah. get hit by, a, you know, a, a truck that was filled with chemicals. He didn't go through a process like... He thinks like there's... He shares. earned it all. Yeah, yeah. that's what... Yeah, he thinks he earned this way. And so he's legitimately better than the cheaters. And that's really... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a fascinating approach uh, to, you know, why somebody would hate the, uh, the, the powered people. And uh, I think we're... In this episode, episode five, is when we're really first starting to get the the glimpse inside of him. I mean, and then this is the episode where we see uh, the the tanker filled with the body parts. Mm-hmm. And uh, the interesting tactic of throwing a random body part in one of those vacuum sealed bags just kind of into his apartment. And uh, for me, one of the uh, creepiest... No, so I think as we were watching episode five at this point... The creepiest moment for me is him leaning down next to the bag, looking at it really close. And do I know you? Yeah. <laughs> I was just uh-huh. like, oh yeah. So it's like that's like that's like not even next level crazy. That's like he's gone up three levels in mm-hmm. in the crazy scale. Uh, what do you think, Adam, about sort of the the way that this episode really you know brings us into his world and, and shows us a little more of him uh, than we had in the first four? I think he's just so wonderfully cast as this you know kind of. Almost schlubby-looking everyman character. Uh, he was really great as kind of a jerk on the Russian Doll series that I know a lot of people like. He plays this kind Who of sleaze bag. He was the sleaze bag guy that was like sleeping with her and like oh, like that was hooking up with like everybody. Yeah, but then yeah, I mean, but he he also has tremendous pathos. So he's got to mm-hmm. be charming. Like your best serial killers are super charming. Hannibal Lecter, a great example of like creepy and charming, and like you want to be around this guy, but maybe not in the same room with him. Um, so I think I, I think he's doing a, a, a great job mm-hmm. with the performance. Yes, and that actor's name is Jeremy Bob with two B's. Uh, it doesn't necessarily roll Such a, like a like normal dude name. name. Yeah. Jeremy yeah. Bob. Yeah. Of course yeah. he's a Jeremy, Jeremy Bob. Hey, Jeremy Bob, how are you, son? It sounds like someone you're like inviting to the barbecue. There <laughs> right, comes Jeremy right. Bob. <laughs> yeah, he's not like Kirk Steckling yeah. or something like that. He's a Jeremy Bob. Yeah, uh, so, and yeah, he does a great job. And uh, I, I think I saw one episode of Russian Doll, so I don't, I don't remember seeing him in anything oh, okay. before. So uh, I, I I think that, you know, to that extent, this guy's really a revelation. Uh, and, of course, even with, 
you know, this is another great example of the fact that because Trish is there, uh, Jessica doesn't end up, you know, basically dying in that tanker because we see sort of the limits, uh, the limitations of her abilities that she wasn't going to have enough time to kind of pound her way out of that, that tanker. Uh, so, of course, they have to let him get away. But just sort of finding that tanker with the body parts in there and, uh, you know, I so think... Was that acid that was being dropped down? Or was so. it like hydrochloric yeah. acid to dissolve the bodies I or something I think that must like be that? what it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I don't quite quite understand how it closed when it did because I thought he was already walking by Trish and so I was thinking that he was working with someone at that moment. I'm like, oh wait he's got a partner. But uh, I don't think that that's the case having watched several more episodes. So uh, maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention. I think she just was walking and she like tripped a wire or something underneath there that was a trap in case anyone did stumble upon it. See now that, that's a, you know that's a problem when I'm taking notes when I watch these shows. I I, I could very well just So it was a trap so that was, was set up in there? I think that's what it was. And, and uh, Interesting. Ryan, who hasn't seen the episode, uh, dings because he feels like you must be right. So, uh, <laughs> Thank he's you. He's just deferring to you. So. I, uh, but I, th- I, I do think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was I, it was viable that she could, you know, I wanted her to punch her way out of that lid, mm-hmm. out of the top of the tanker, but I think it was kind of viable between the acid and also just like the bad angle on the ladder. Like, she couldn't really get meat behind a punch and start hammering it out and she starts banging on the wall on the side and again they did a great job of saying like yeah she's super powered she's denting this wall but I don't buy that she's breaking through this thing Mm -hmm. like it's just gonna she's just gonna stretch it out it's just too malleable if if the lid's not closed and she has you know an infinite amount of time I think she could get her way out of there but you know lacking oxygen and you Mm -hmm. know whatever that acid is yeah I don't think uh uh, I, I don't think that we're really, you know, going to get a. Uh, we're, we're, she wasn't going to have the time to get out of it. Maybe she does need to start training. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, at least once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, not like Trish who does like every day. Uh, so yeah, so and we see a lot about his methods. You know, he's got the got the dark room. He's developing you know, the photos. Uh, I think in the same. Uh, room where you basically he's killed someone and uh, the allusion to Seven is exactly what I thought about when we just saw how organized his, first of all, his darkroom supplies were, mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. travel uh, little uh, rolly suitcase and just at, at his house, just like, well my my bone saw is going to go right here where it belongs and so it was very conspicuous that it was missing uh, when they were comparing some of the surveillance uh, so that's really a huge thrust of this episode but we do need to talk about Jerry Hogarth, who uh, it's really uh, well, it reaches all new level uh, in here for for Jerry uh, because uh, Peter, uh, Kith's husband, immediately understands the connection. Oh, this person comes back into your life, Mm -hmm. and uh, my deep dark secret is revealed. I it's not too hard to put two and two together. Uh, April, what did you think about that? Just that exchange when, you know, first of all, Kith invites Peter over to Jerry's apartment. That's an interesting choice. But when he just comes in and, and just starts talking, well, yelling at Jerry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry is relentless. Like, yeah. you think that she would have some sort of guilt with that, but I really don't think she did in that scene. <laughs> Yeah, I think she's more of the mind of she knows that she's done the right thing and she's going to more double down not to convince anyone else Mm -hmm. to just like she's like, oh, I know I'm right because I'm me and I do the right thing. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder what she thinks inside her head. Like, where does she fall on the line of 
of like, where is her moral line? Does she have one? I mean, she knows how messed up the things she does. She 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 does illegal acts. Like she has her, you know, she has Malcolm dig and take a, you know uh, illegal practices to get the information. Mm-hmm. I don't know why she does the things she does. Sometimes it's a little hard to follow her. I mean, I think that ultimately, as as a lawyer, I mean, she talks about it in a subsequent episode. But uh, she hates to lose, and she sees this as a scenario where she's losing. Kith to this guy who honestly until what not even a week earlier she could have cared less about this guy existing Mm -hmm. and anything about him but then as soon as she saw him as an obstacle she was determined to destroy him and I mean he she gives him the the legal advice of uh, you know uh, negotiating a reduced sentence get a good lawyer we'll be out in six years And uh, you know, I think one of the most uh, the, the most powerful part of their their exchange is Peter tells Jerry, "You can't have her," and then she says, "Neither can you." Right? Mm-hmm. It's about possession. This yes. isn't about love for Kith. It's about possession because Kith prevented a wonderful uh, option. Mm-hmm. You can share me. Mm-hmm. I'm my own person, and I we like to spread the love around. He can have the students. He can have this. And then Jerry held on to this bomb for a little bit. Then she. You know, detonated it. Ever since Peter wanted to watch what's on their DVR. Yeah, whatever there was on their DVR. I wish we knew what show was right. so important. Their couch but... time was so precious. I know. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, Malcolm catches wind that there's uh, something going on, so he decides to uh, take some time off, and then he also deletes all these files that he has of, uh, of Peter. So uh, that is, uh, of course, uh, you know, just it's all... We've seen it from episode one. It's all starting to really... The walls are definitely moving very slowly, but they're definitely starting to close in on Malcolm. Uh, And now he's just... Instead of, like, his plausible deniability with his girlfriend was, well, you know, we've got these non-disclosures, but he's just actively, like, lying to her now. Mm -hmm. I mean, as this goes along. So uh, I think it's... Well, it's very interesting to watch Malcolm, you know. Uh, this isn't the uh, episode where, uh, with uh, Eric's sister, is it? With, she which is. is she, yes. not, what she happens is. with Malcolm is not this episode. Okay. okay. But yes, that's, this is, and that's the final thing I want to talk about before we move on to episode six, is that character is introduced, and we do see the return of, of, of Eric slash Burger Boy, and just the idea that they need to keep both of them safe because uh, Salinger knows that uh, Eric is important to Jessica. So this is where we had the exchange in the street between yeah. Eric mm-hmm. and Salinger. Right. And then that's that's where uh, Salinger says uh, the the line that I said before, which was some, whatever it was, like, you, you can't comprehend what I am. Right. So that's this episode. Where they flash back to it, but initially you see, you see Burger Boy take this prostitute, presuming, into this room mm-hmm. and then Jessica walks in on that time and there's like a great Oh, I'm going to be busted. Moment. He's like, "You're here." Like yeah. it was. It was kind of funny how they kind of downplayed that moment. Mm-hmm. I, I remember like uh, thinking that was really funny. They didn't make such a big deal of like, "What are you doing here?" And who is that girl? He's just like, "What? No, it's my sister. You're here. What's going on?" I yeah. love Eric. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I I like Burger Boy, and, mm-hmm. and uh, with every passing episode, uh, it, you know, he sticks around longer than maybe we thought he would. So uh, yeah, and I and this episode ends where. The migraine gets so bad that, you know, he should know something bad is about to happen. Mm-hmm. And something bad does happen. He's attacked by Salinger, mm. which brings us to episode six, which is Sorry Face. And uh, the 
So they have all this evidence, but uh, uh, Costa immediately explains to Jessica how important the chain of evidence is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what they have is inadmissible. Uh, and, uh, of course, that is problematic. You know, it's it, Early in this sixth episode, he says, you single-handedly found a serial killer, uh, and it's not bad for a day's work, but it, it, the, she hasn't really helped the police. And... Look, this is a, an exaggerated version of something that we hear about happening all the time in the real world. But kind of talk about this start of episode six, April, episode six, mm-hmm. April. I know what you meant. <laughs> Which part we of all, it? Uh, well, we know well, what just, you meant. We all know what I meant. The Burger Boy. Uh, the the uh, this idea that uh, they've got him, but they don't have him. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, you know the situation that that puts Jessica in. If- also, the single. I'm sorry. I just want to say the single. That line you single handedly like that was a little knife into Jessica because she's like yeah, I needed help I needed my partner yeah. I got mm-hmm. saved so this is before you know they're really working together so that was that was just a clever turn of phrase there what were you yeah. going to say April? I was just going to say if I was Jessica I would be so frustrated because you're doing all this and you know that he's the killer but you can't put him away <laughs> yeah and uh, I think that Jessica is ready to let the police uh, do their job, mm-hmm. but uh, then uh, Salinger can't really resist letting her know that uh, he's got Eric and is going to kill him. And uh, you know he he's not gagged, so he's able to shout out that he's in a commercial something. Something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, very useful piece of information, as it turns out. Uh, I believe that saved his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that he was able to blurt that out, uh, even though Salinger didn't let him finish. Uh, so we really get to see the process of what Salinger does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we actually see him starting off one of these photo shoots, and he he talks a lot about himself to Eric. And I think that this is a great device because of the fact that. Salinger knows he's going to kill this guy, so he he doesn't mind opening up a little, mm-hmm. you know, which. Uh, so it always seems to be. I mean, hasn't he ever seen a James Bond movie? Like, hmm. you just just kill somebody, and like, don't. And if, if you're not going to kill them right away, don't tell them about. You know, don't give them information that can be used against you. But he needs to get that photo, though. Yeah, that's he, the thing. He, he needs, needs that honest, um, uh, um, that that uh, repentant photo. Yeah, he needs to see the guilt on his face. So that's the, that kind of build that in there. So that's why he's alive. He's kind of working it. And this is when Salinger slowly figures out what he did know. Like, first he really wanted to know how they knew about it. Right, that's what I was mm-hmm. going to bring up. Because you know, that, that's the first reason that uh, Eric is still alive. He needs to know how he found out. Mm-hmm. Because he has to make sure that he, you know, he thought he had done a great job of covering his tracks. But then also he does need to get the right shot, uh, the right photograph. Uh, April, as we learn a little bit more about Salinger, and you know, he, he talks about surprisingly talks about his father and his brother mm-hmm. and, and all of that. Uh, what 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 is taking shape in your mind of Salinger at this point? As as we're starting to really learn so much about him, I love how Eric even like asked him to talk about, and Salinger goes, "What to keep you talking, keep you alive?" Like he fully acknowledges, mm-hmm. yeah. but then he does yeah. do the so, talking. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah like, All right, I, I guess. I did, yeah, I did, yeah, that was very funny. Yeah. Um, when he was talking about his brother, like it definitely starts to shape. Like, okay, I guess I can sort of see like how he got messed up with this way. Yeah, uh, but of course, Jessica on the pursuit of Eric uh, it, it needs help. 
Mm-hmm. First of all, she needs Trish, and uh, you know, Costa makes a big show that he's not going to help her. But then, uh, you know, uh, for those not watching on YouTube, I'm using air quotes, accidentally drops that list of his victims. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're able to kind of figure out who the other person is. Uh, the the eighth victim who, because you know, there were only seven bodies. And that is, again, something that saves Eric's life. Uh, the, the eighth victim's name is Casper Marx. Which is a very uh, good fiction. Oh, is this name, the chef? This is yeah. the chef. Yeah, I like yeah. the chef shows up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, uh, that brings her to him, and uh, that I, I, you know, I was just at first. I'm like, wait, somebody's still alive, and then the story he tells, you know, makes perfect sense that this guy just thought he was into some really weird, kinky mm-hmm. stuff, and uh, then it took a turn, and he didn't know what was going on. And he thought, since he thought it was some kind of, I'm hesitant to use the word romantic, but that it was a physical encounter, uh, he kisses Salinger, which, again, instance that saves your life, mm-hmm. is oddly enough kissing the serial killer because it uh, freaks him out, uh, which will tell you a lot about him, that he reacted that badly to being kissed by a man. Uh, what, uh, as, as someone who spends time in a kitchen, uh, <laughs> Adam, what do you think of, uh, Casper's story and the, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, just, uh, <laughs> well, the fact that you, uh, didn't prepare his steak the way he wanted once, <laughs> uh, really could have made hit. him a fool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this definitely, uh, took a negative Yelp review to, uh, next level. level. Well, yeah. you know, uh, and knowing a lot of, uh, restaurant people, chefs, Bartenders doesn't surprise me that uh, the chef would be into some kinky stuff, <laughs> some excitable activities. Uh, it uh, takes you know big personalities and very creative-minded people, and um, you know uh, French people to to work in that industry. So I thought that worked. Um, I also thought they did a good job at making making sure that it was clear that him kissing it wasn't just a a homophobic thing. You know, they kind of hammered it home, but you had to because if it was a woman trying to kiss Salinger, it might be a little bit easier to understand. Uh, that the, the point they were getting across is that he's asexual. Right. right. There's certainly no normal, you know, it, it's not that normal. He, he's he's perverted, and in, in, in obviously, like, what, in, in, in all his approaches, like, he is a living perversion. So not just, like, fringe, not, you know, uh, heterosexual or, or homosexual. He's truly a pervert. Salinger. Salinger, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. No, I, and uh, I think that... The chef is just looking for a good time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and honestly, if you're going to take take it off the bill, uh, I think that's fine. Remake the steak. No problem. Come back again. I think you don't buy dessert in this case because you didn't do the dessert wrong. So I say you just got to get the steak right. <laughs> right, exactly. I think he could have he sent it back. Instead, his solution is to tape a guy to a chair mm-hmm. and photograph his, uh, his He's slow a execution. As one does. It's yeah. really hard to nail a temp on every single steak. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is that really separates the, the quality restaurants from uh, the amateur ones. Well, and look, this was at his old location, so clearly mm-hmm. that wasn't as good a restaurant as the one that he has now, mm-hmm. which is indeed the commercial kitchen. I love how he makes that comment, though. It was a bad location. <laughs> like, yeah, bad location. I love that. Right. Why, why, why the restaurant closed? I know. Yeah, so, so where was the, the, the commercial kitchen was the location of, of what? What did they make in the commercial kitchen? 
Oh, that was that's that's where, restaurant that's is all now restaurant. a commercial kitchen? It, it, yeah, I, yeah I, I think that that's whatever it was, that's what it is now. And so that they go to that location. And uh, we'll uh, talk a little bit more about Eric and Salinger's interactions there because, uh, you know, this is when we get the details like just what his family life was like salinger that is you know the fact that uh, that what he he won uh he won a competition and uh his brother and father ridiculed him for taking pride in himself they said that they picked the ri- uh, winners at random <laughs> right and also the fact that uh when Gregory's brother died, which of course for me, as I was watching this, that uh, set off some alarms. Mm-hmm. The fact oh, that his brother of died. Course. I'm like, oh, his brother died. His brother he didn't like died. How about uh-huh. that? Oh, funny. Well, when I went right by me. <laughs> and uh, the the uh, the fact that his father uh, said it was uh, that he wished it had been him, as in it had been Gregory. And you know, Eric's trying to like connect with him on some level, trying to save his life, and like, yeah, I'm sure he didn't mean that. It's like, well, that was the he, best. <laughs> he, he stabbed me. He stabbed me in the chest uh, at the at the funeral, and uh, said, "I wish it would, yeah, I wish it was dinner. you." Yeah, I said, "I wish it was you." So it's like, yeah, okay. So clearly, he uh, really felt that way, mm-hmm. and so, you know. I think you could, you can feel bad for the circumstances that turned Salinger into what he becomes. It does in no way justify the actions that he takes, but you can certainly understand this sort of, uh, you know, just perfect storm of just this this terrible uh, circumstances around him. And uh, fortunately, though, for uh, Eric that Jessica does figure it out mm-hmm. and uh, she does have her trusty sidekick Scrappy Doo herself, the Hellcat and uh, they do they do save Eric uh, and uh, it's uh, Eric even talks about just at the end in sort of a very tender moment you know just how it felt to see Jessica like you know just come in there basically guns blazing not literally mm-hmm. and uh, saving him uh, as that um, as that played out, the fact that we see that Jessica and interest do get there in time, uh, what did you think, uh, April, uh, you know, sort of watching this about, uh, did you think there was ever a chance she wasn't going to make it? That's my first question. I was hoping not because I love Eric. Um, yeah. But when he started getting really close to him and, like, making him bleed from his eyes, right. obviously I got scared for him. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that that was interesting. And Salinger characterizes it as you're allergic to me, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, yes, because we know that somebody, the the deeper and, and darker, the you know, they are as, as a person, uh, that much worse it feels. Uh, and uh, the the yeah the crying blood was uh, was fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, I thought. Uh, what do you think, uh, Adam, about sort of the this notion that Salinger sees himself that you know, because Eric calls him evil and he says that that's the wrong word. I'm inserting fairness in an unfair world, which again goes back to the cheaters. Right, right. Again, he everyone he thinks is a cheater or a phony or a fake. He's like his own Holden Caulfield to the next level. Right. Um, but again, it's it's he's the fool killer. It's like the people that he determines are fools that squander their life on achieving anything less than perfection in their field. Um, and then 
it's too bad that Eric can't weaponize his power a little bit better because all he can do is cry tears of blood. He, and he's not blackmailing the guy, and now he's got no more cards. So it really does mm-hmm. look like Burger Boy's going down where he realizes, oh, you don't know anything. You're allergic to me, and whatever. He kind of figures it out, which is a little bit of a leap. Like, I don't know quite how he got there, but, mm-hmm. you know, for the sake of the plot, we buy the fact that he pretty much figures out what his powers are. Yeah, I, I, I think he could at least get a sense at that point. But yeah, you're right. It's like I think for the for the interest of time, <laughs> yeah. you have to do some leaps, like right. like the oh yeah, my old location in that commercial kitchen. You know, here's right. the address. Yeah, so sometimes you need to have that. Uh, but uh, of the things that Eric says to Salinger, one of the things is you're barely human, and uh, I feel like that's accurate. But uh, Salinger uh, clearly uh, disagrees. There's a few other things in this episode that uh, we need to talk about uh, before we uh, get to. Uh, well, before we end this episode, as I mentioned at the top of the show, as soon as this episode ends, we'll be doing another episode where we talk about episodes seven and eight, uh, which I, I'm enjoying talking about these episodes. It's but so it's confusing I, to say in this episode, yeah. which we're covering two episodes, yeah. in the next, next episode, episode we're, we're covering, covering two more episodes. But so. this is an episode. This, this is our episode of our show. We're talking about two episodes of that show, and then we're doing another episode. I hope everybody watched episodes with Matt LeBlanc. Anyway, what were you going to say? I was going to say, what I thought was fascinating was the end, how they were talking about they could get Salinger for kidnapping, yeah. But Eric would have to go and do time, and he says that will literally kill me. Yeah, I mean, it makes he's sense. such a wuss. He's so not noble. <laughs> right, yet. W- right. But he makes the point of just being around one serial killer for an afternoon. Yeah, he barely survived. Oh, that's right. I guess so he's not really having, a wuss. It would so, just kill him. Yeah, it, it yeah. <laughs> At first, I thought that I thought exactly like you did, Adam. But then the idea that you I know because it. of what his power is, if you're in a prison filled with people that have these, this sort of darkness inside them. Yeah, I mean, I, d- I don't even think he'd yeah. last through the night, mm-hmm. you know? Wow, again, I'm a moron. That was a, That's a great way to keep him from being able to testify. Like, yeah. that's a great um, device. Well, and it's the only way that I think Jessica's going to be like, yeah, I can't make him do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because if it's just like, I don't want to go to jail, I'm too pretty, I can't make burgers, you know? Uh, by the way, I'm sure they would let him make burgers there. I just feel like... Well, he would definitely work in the commissary, yeah. for sure. I mean, I think, yeah, clearly... Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm glad you uh, brought that point up, though, because uh, that obviously creates a problem for the episodes we'll talk about. Uh, and then one more thing. One. Yes. Um, at the end, Eric says, you're like aspirin to me, yeah. to <laughs> Jess. That is the cutest thing ever for and him. Yeah, she's yeah, she's like, she's like, worst come online ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I, yeah, I, I agree that I, I had the thought, I'm like, oh, I guess that's nice. And she's like, mm, yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk quickly about Hogarth in this episode, because mm-hmm. Uh, that continues, and uh, there is uh, this is actually the first reference to uh, Rand Enterprises. So, for those uh, watching on YouTube, ah. the Danny Rand uh, Iron Fist t shirt, but uh, he'll come up again uh, when we talk about the other ones. But uh, just this idea that they're, of course, losing clients after Peter's video mm-hmm. saying that, like, I'm doing this because of what you did, you're a terrible person. Uh, and uh, you know, I think Malcolm's really on the outside of all of this. But uh, well, and then he shuts down the argument with. Have we talked about how he finishes the video? Uh, you mean that he's that yeah, he's killed himself? Yes. Yeah. yeah, we have not actually addressed that fact. Yeah, so that's how he shuts he that does. argument yeah. down. Yeah, he, he calls her out, and then it's like, oh yeah, and like as I'm recording this, I'm bleeding out. Mm-hmm. So uh, enjoy. So yes, obviously that creates big problems for Jerry, uh, but. This just goes back to what we were talking about before, Adam. 
she doesn't really see it that way. She's just like, oh, this guy's such a drama queen. I mm-hmm. can't believe that he's doing this to me. Yeah, and you really have to, and I, I guess it's, I don't know if it's more in the next episode or this one. When does uh, Hogarth rally her troops? And it's like, this it's a, is, is she, it this she, episode? She's, she's in like, this one, she's like, we're not going to lose any more clients today. And she mm-hmm. says to Zaya, yeah. Zaya or Zaya? Do we I know? think it's Zaya. Okay. But. Because um, I think it's Zendaya, also, you know, Marvel <laughs> yeah. canon. Um, I, I, you know, she says this is the day careers are made, and we see her, like, this is when she's great. She's a great attorney. Like, mm-hmm. she doesn't back down. She doesn't crumble. She rallies the troops, and this is when Hogarth is at her best. She's like, we don't sleep. This is what we do. This is when careers are made on days like this. And in, in, in a twisted, per, also sort of perverted way, this is giving her life. Mm-hmm. She is not thinking about her terminal disease. She's like, all right, come at me. I can even I can even beat this. The only thing that really bothers her is the fact that Kith now wants nothing to do with her. Mm-hmm. And in Hogarth's world, April, uh, it seemed entirely appropriate for her to show up at the, the wake funeral, whatever that event was, mm-hmm. with a tray of bagels, by the way. The bagels, I also do want to note, they weren't just bagels. They had cream cheese. They had Nova locks, it appeared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were well-dressed. And uh, I know, they probably got that from, uh, uh, oh, oh, what that, that appetizing place uh, on the belly. A uh, really great place. Really great fish place. How much would those run Russ you, and Adam? daughters. Russ and daughters. <laughs> right, and, and that tray probably set them back, set Jerry back a, a pretty penny. But mm-hmm. for Jerry, it, you know, what does it yeah, matter? Yeah, I mean, honestly... It didn't look like there were quite enough bagels there for her to be bringing a whole. Like, no, they bagel. were basically like, just for Kiff. I thought she would send out like a whole, you know, you yeah. know, table with a hand carved like locks catering and everything. It. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, but that interaction with uh, Kith and Peter's son, who's only mentioned really as a throwaway in an earlier episode, uh, we see uh, Jerry actually feeling the effects of. of you know her her diagnosis, and you know just a, a fall to the ground actually uh, really does a number on her, and to the extent that somehow she makes this kid feel bad for her. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, t- talk a little bit, uh, April, about sort of both sides of Jerry that we're getting to see. You know that that weakness, uh, and then uh, sort of what we just alluded to the you know the. Uh, you know, the inspired leader that she can also be. I feel like this is the first time we actually see Jerry feel any sort of guilt for this when she sees the son. Because before it was more like, this is going to cause problems at the firm. But then she sees that this is actually affecting lives. And I think that's what finally got to her a bit. Yeah. uh, I, I, uh, you know, look, these, there's some fascinating characters in this season. I think that, the, you know, as we talk very quickly here in our final moment, uh, the this season's great because, yes, uh, Jessica's always a wonderful character to watch, and I've always liked Trish. But then these side characters are really getting some great opportunities, like Hogarth and Malcolm and, of course, Trish. And even Dorothy, her mom, has had uh, plenty of great screen time uh, through these first oh, six mm-hmm. episodes. And this is when, uh, is this the episode where Dorothy gets told off by Trish? Yes. Yes. And uh, she's like, well... I had you back for a little while, you mm-hmm. know, and basically, you know, that uh, she kind of expected it. Uh, so, yeah, and that's a great scene between is this, the two of them. Is this, what, is this what we're supposed to talk about, our no-filter moment of the episode? We can talk about that. Do you have one? Well, I think that was it. That was Trish unfiltered, right? Yeah. There. Mm-hmm. That's what made me think about that. Like, Trish tells off Dorothy. Dorothy does 
the perfect guilty momming and that long shot of Rebecca De Mornay walking off and then yeah. completely she works Trish perfectly like only a mother can like yeah. only someone can mess with your head like Trish lays it all out there and then Dorothy just uses it to make Trish feel so guilty about it so um, yeah Dorothy put the uh, the filter right back on Trish I guess talking about no filter can we talk about Barry giving Malcolm uh, yeah, that, that was another no filter <laughs> moment yeah uh, that that was uh, if you didn't say it that's what I was going to say okay. that, is, that is a very unfiltered moment mm-hmm. for for Malcolm there, yeah, uh, that uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's the level that she feels like that's how she can relate to people, especially because he's first of all, he's got his shirt off. So, as soon as that scene starts, and like, he's pumping right, weights, yeah, of course, and he's like, I want to be a man, right. I want to feel like a man. And she's like, Well, Let me I'm help. in the business of helping men feel like men. She so. seemed to enjoy sex too much for a prostitute, though. Like it's not work for her. Yeah, I don't get the impression that like sex workers love just like I, spreading the love, I, and that's why I, they get into the I biz. I, I don't think she enjoyed it at all. You just sort of give the impression to the person that you're providing the service for. Uh, that right, you she do didn't enjoy say it was it. a business transaction. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. I, I don't know that there's. Did, an you, did you have another no filter moment you wanted uh, to? Just it's it, it's a little bit more of a one liner, but the one that I had was uh, when Eric just sort of diffuses everything that had happened to him in the course of this episode uh, by pointing out that uh, Salinger never got his good side in those photographs. <laughs> I just thought it was like a very funny thing for a guy who, for a guy who was literally an inch from getting murdered. Yeah. Know? And then I guess I also wanted to give a, an honorable no-filter mention to Jessica. With, I guess it was from the episode 5. Uh, I wish you know she wasn't a mass murderer. You right. know, yeah, exactly. that seems like a, 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 a no filter moment, and that she's kind of owning up to that, admitting it, and it's a uh, it's a big moment, obviously, for the Trish and Jessica moment. Yes, and this episode ends with the notion that uh, they may have unleashed Salinger, which is something that we are going to see in mere moments for those watching live when we talk about episodes seven and eight. So uh, stay tuned for that, but. Until then, in the moment in between these two shows, Adam, where do people find you? You can find me right here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and April, other, other than right here, where do they oh, find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at April13Dawn. And you can find me at ChristianDMZ. For those watching live, stick around. We'll be right back to talk about episodes 7 and 8. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. (laughs) The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 